0: Yes, that's right. We celebrate our centennial show this week. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Miami Total Football Radio, the number one and most listened to Inter-Miami podcast, providing you all the latest news, updates, analysis, opinions, inside information, general punditry, and much more. We have been listened to in more than 50 countries and counting. I am one of your hosts. My name is Franco Pinizo. I stuttered there or I hesitated there because it's not the usual trio that we have. We have all four, all four co-hosts on this week's episode because we all have to celebrate the momentous occasion that is 100 episodes. So first of all, a round of applause for us. Ooh, Ooh, yes, because listen, I started this podcast a couple yes. years ago with Eric Krakauer I mean, I, I planned for it to be a long-term thing, but you never know with podcasts, maybe you don't get that far, but we have made it this far, and I'm, I'm very happy that we have because I thoroughly enjoy talking into Miami with you guys, I enjoy the feedback from the listeners, so the fact that we've made it this far, amazing, amazing accomplishment and milestone. But of course, the other three co-hosts that are here in attendance, of course, are Steve El Primo Brenner. Jose Armando, a.k.a. Island Jose, and Andrea Yanis, who I don't have a nickname for yet, but we will come up with one very, very shortly. To start, ladies first, Andrea, how are you doing today? Welcome back, and thank you for celebrating our 100th episode here on, you thought I was going to forget, didn't you? Miami Total Football Radio. Andrea, how are you?
1: Hi, guys to be here in this uh, 100 episode quite an accomplishment so glad that you guys invited me let's get into it let's make this fun and let's get into some fights you know (laughs) that i like it
0: two-footed slide tackle ready andrea's ready she's ready but maybe not for a red card hopefully not for red card although we will of course talk about that
1: you know right now talking about the midfield and going in with two with both legs i'm like a (laughs) Tomás Gravesen, if you remember him, La gravesina. that's what I'm going to implement in this podcast.
0: La gravesina. I like it. Okay, well now let's go to El Primo. Primo, how are you doing today? Thank you for joining us and being available for the 100th episode of Miami Total Football Radio.
2: Of course, man. Thank you and thank you for editing 100 episodes. (laughs) I know that you put in a lot of you put in a lot of work. El like, oh, Jefe comes to the party. Yeah, no, thank, thank <laughs> you, mate. Thank you. Congrats. Um, yeah, it's been a while, isn't it? I went to Cincinnati to cover the U.S. men's national team, which was a cool place. Um, if anyone goes to Cincinnati next time they play away at Cincinnati, definitely go. It's a great. It's a great sports city for sure um and yeah i like andrea's fighting talk let's do it let's
0: do it i hope i hope you're ready i hope you're ready sharpen your knives because andrea does come in does come in hard as
2: long as we get the truth (laughs) as long as we get the truth and honesty that's all that that's all that matters man (laughs)
0: Uh, well let's go to the other member the other co-host and that's island jose jose how are you doing today
3: what's going on guys how are you guys doing um i'm very happy to be here in the 100 episode Um, Well, I don't think there's going to be a lot of fighting between El Primo, Andrea, and Jose. I think the fighting is going to be all against Mr. Panizzo. Just because you have some very interesting takes coming up in this podcast. And I already know about it. I have the rundown in front of me. And let me tell you, you're going to be in trouble, Franco. You are going to be in trouble. Three against one, I'm telling you.
0: Well, it's a good thing then that to celebrate this momentous occasion. We all have a drink. We're going to celebrate while we do the podcast for the first time ever. I don't know about Steve, but for the first time ever, I'm going to have a drink while we do this podcast and in front of me, and this is not, this is not this a, a sponsor. I
2: will have a tipple.
0: Okay. I don't know what, oh, is that a beer? I don't, I don't know what that is.
2: Just like a little, little drink. Yeah.
0: Okay, okay. well, I'm going to have uh, Pilsen from Peru, del Callao. And this is not a sponsorship uh, announcement. This is just me having a beer, a Peruvian beer, while we do this episode.
1: Remember, if you want to sponsor, if you sponsor, call us. Call Franco if you want to be a sponsor of this podcast. <laughs> yeah,
2: if you are a Peruvian beer person <laughs> and you want to get in touch and sponsor us, then that would be awesome. <laughs> Thank
0: you. Andrea, what are you drinking <laughs> during this episode?
1: I'm having an Estella Artois
0: nice okay. very nice belgian beer That's
1: why. okay okay a belgian beer yes
0: okay and jose does and not we're... drink so jose is not having anything is that correct that jose is, correct. is
1: having a bananita tropical from honduras that is a drink but <laughs> it doesn't have alcohol <laughs>
0: <laughs> wish, no. for you listeners out there island jose does not drink So he's, he's refraining from having a beverage. I tried, I tried to convince him, but he just won't do it. By the way, I was in Qatar for a part of the last couple of weeks since we last had a pod. I will share some of my Qatar thoughts in the final portion of this podcast. If you want to hear about what the World Cup might be like in case you're going, in case you're contemplating going, or if you're just curious to hear about what Qatar is like I will give you my thoughts in the final segment. But before we get to that, we are here, of course, to talk about Inter-Miami, which returned to action this past weekend on the road against Atlanta United. And, well, things did not go very well for the South Florida side. We will dive into that game. We will dive into the controversial sending off of Gene Mota. And as a special, special interview to mark the 100th episode, we will have DeAndre Yedlin on during the second segment of the show. So we have a lot to get to, a lot to talk about. There's four of us, so there's a lot more opinions that will probably be coming out of our mouths. So guys, let's not waste any more time. Let's get to it. Okay guys, so Inter Miami came back from a three week break, visited Atlanta United on Sunday, Father's Day happy belated Father's Day to all you dads out there by the way and well as far as the game goes Inter Miami was unable to give its fans a father's Day treat because the team lost 2 to0 to Atlanta United Goals from Luis Araujo in the fourth minute and Joseph Martinez in the 61st of course one of the biggest talking points was the red card to Jean Mota in the 29th minute a second yellow but a red card that leaves Inter-Miami with 10 men for the better part of an hour, and, well, they weren't able to overcome that. This was the lineup that Inter-Miami went with. Drake, Callender, and goal. Your back line was DeAndre Yedlin, Damian Lowe, Amem Bika, Christopher McVeigh. Your midfield triangle, Gene Mota as the six, Robert Taylor uh, a little bit ahead of him on the right, and Bryce Duke a little bit ahead of Gene Mota on the left. And then your front three from right to left, Indiana Vasilev, Leonardo Campana, Ariel Lasseter. Regular Captain Gregory was dealing with some visa issues, so he was unavailable for this match. Nick Marsman also not back yet from his injury, so Clement Diop was the goalkeeper that was on the bench. Guys, quickly, quickly, quickly. Starting with Jose, your overall thoughts on this game.
3: Um, Well, listen, I think it's it's pretty clear that the break did not help Inter-Miami. I mean, um, this is not a good team. This is not a good team. And when you start to make some progress, then you get a three-week break, and, you know, it's a step back. And and it was pretty clear. And it was pretty clear. It was a step back. The performance was not good. And I'm talking about the first 29 minutes because after the red card happened, it was a struggle for Inter-Miami. And even after the goal, I think, you know, they were very decisive in the fact that they wanted to tie the game, but they were not very well organized. Um, you saw McVeigh pushing forward, um, which it's okay, but it's not ideal for Inter Miami because he's not a true left back. And when McVay goes all the way on the left flank, that means he's leaving a lot of room behind. Same thing with um, uh, Damian Lowe. Um, I didn't like the way there were of trying to attack Atlanta United early on. After the red card for Mota, everything changed, and the game basically ended at the 29th minute. They were already down a goal. Um, So uh, I think it's a combination of two things for Inter-Miami against uh, Atlanta. I think it's about the red card and, you know, about taking a step back during the long break.
0: We will dive into the red card in more detail in just a little bit. But, Primo! What did you think of this latest defeat? Obviously, Miami had been on a bit of a roll before the break, but now they're back to losing ways with this 2-0 defeat to Atlanta United.
2: Yeah, just a bad start, wasn't it? I think when you let a goal in so early on, and just you're always on the back foot, it's going to be difficult in Atlanta, big stadium, big crowd, home crowd. Yeah, it just didn't turn up. And then the sending off killed the game for them, really. And they were in it, and they did have some openings sort of late on, didn't they? And they showed a few little sparks, but just not... Enough. It was pretty feisty, um, but yeah, just a sort of bad day, bad day at of the office, I think.
0: Andrea, I think
1: Gregore was missing a lot. They were missing him a lot, and um, after the sending off, the game practically ended there. There was nothing that Inter Miami could do. They are not a team that comes back after losing many times, so I think um, th- they are having the same problems that they were having before three weeks without playing of course some of these players have had action with their national teams but the others didn't so I guess it takes a toll on you three three weeks without playing it takes a toll on you and you could see it in in some of the players um of course I don't know why uh we can talk if we can talk about the the lineup uh but I don't know why um I know Phil is missing players I know of course, we know we said Mo, Mo Adams left, but he's he's missing players in the midfield. But he he again played Robert Taylor in the midfield, and we have seen that the best from this year comes from him playing through the wings. So I think that was a mistake. I don't I, I don't know why he, did he include Indiana Vasilev in the starting eleven to tell you the truth. I didn't like that change. I did think. I guess he didn't have enough players. If Phil doesn't feel comfortable yet. Um, giving them the opportunity. Now he doesn't have Mo Adams, but he didn't have Gregory and 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 he didn't take a risk. That that's why I didn't like about the lineup because I don't think Iñara Vasilev is a player that in this moment needs to be starting for that team.
0: I think he did take a risk because I think he goes with a midfield that I asked him about it after the game and he said he was looking for a midfield that could dominate the, the that part of the field. And clearly when you have three players of the characteristics of Jean Mota Robert Taylor and Bryce Duke, they're more, they're either more eights, more mixed type of mid central midfielders, or they're more attack minded central midfielders. They didn't really have a pure destroyer, a like for like change for Gregory. So I think he did take a risk. I just don't think it worked. And look, for me, it's a criticism I have from this game because if Gregory was available, I think it's safe to assume that he would be starting. And if Gregory's starting because of what he can give you from a defensive uh, posture from what his his ability to break things up his ability to destroy I think you need someone that can help fill that role if you're going to to come out and play in this lineup so I thought Victor Uyoa is the closest thing you have to that and I thought Victor Uyoa should have started I don't think that midfield three worked and I don't think that they had enough of a balance to give Inter Miami the type of performance that they needed and I think that's one of the reasons why those first 30 minutes including the rust that, that you guys have mentioned there was rust there from a team that hasn't played in three weeks but but why does Inter Miami have rust whereas Atlanta United also hasn't played for three weeks why did Atlanta United not have that rust are we going to say just Atlanta because they're played at home
1: horribly, Franco. they play horribly frank they play horribly they they didn't even deserve to win 2-0. They play horribly.
0: I I disagree with that. I don't think they played horribly. They they got an early goal, they attacked, they forced Ray Calendar in a and few after saves. that, What did they do? They forced Ray Calendar in a few saves.
1: Two in the first half?
0: There was a couple in the first half and a couple in the second half. I don't want to say they were an incredibly amazing <laughs> performance from the from the five stripes as they're known, but I thought that they, they looked the better team. And I don't think that they showed as much rust as Inter-Miami. It
1: looked better than Inter-Miami. That I agree. But Even before were, the red card. Even either. before
0: the red card. Even before the red card, they looked better than Inter-Miami. I thought that with their ability to press, with their ability to... I thought they brought more intensity. And again, this is before the red card. Because once the red card happens, the analysis changes completely. But before the red card, I saw an Atlanta United team... That looked hungrier. That was more intense. That was more. That was winning fifty-fifties. That was winning second balls, while Inter Miami tried to hit very in a very direct manner, in a very counter-attacking way, and it just didn't pay off. They would constantly look to to hit in balls behind, and they those were easily intercepted. And Atlanta United kept getting their rhythm and finding their feet by picking up the ball. That's that's what I saw for the first twenty-nine minutes before Jean Mota's sending off. Now.
3: Well, (laughs) there's two things as well, Franco, here that, you know, first off, Mota was struggling during the first 29 minutes during his entire time. He wasn't struggling. And I think, you know, part of it was the field. I don't think he looked comfortable with it. Um, There's an early play that, you know, he tries to cut in a ball and the ball bounces in front of him and he just misses misses the ball completely. Um, So he looked uncomfortable to me playing playing there under the Why do you think and, he played?
0: And, but why do you think he looked uncomfortable? Because he's played this that six position before, that deep lying. we say six because that's the the position he's occupying, but he's not right. a he's not a defensive midfielder, right? He's playing more How of a feel? deep deep lying playmaker. He's a deep lying playmaker in this system. Someone that's that's there in front of the back line, but is there more to help create than destroy? So
3: because he just didn't have any help. He didn't have any help and he knew that. He def- didn't have any help.
0: Defensive help
3: yeah, defensively he didn't have any help, you know. And maybe of course, maybe this
1: was game. a game for Phil to try and, and play with five defenders, because if he didn't have Gregory, he didn't have Mo Adams, and he didn't have anyone that he trusted. But I want to hear, I want to hear Jose, I want to hear
0: yeah. I want to hear Hosta, Hosta finish his thought there, Jose. So you think because he didn't have a Gregory type player in that midfield, that he that Gene Mota felt uncomfortable?
3: Right. Right. Yeah, because I mean Robert Taylor can cannot help at all. I mean he tries, but he's playing out of position. So I mean everything that Robert Taylor gives you right now, um, it, it's out of his desire to to perform at a high level. Um, he has an individual ability that's 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 you know that helps, but it all comes out of you know an effort from the player and a desire, not because. That's exactly the way where he the 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 place where he wants to be in the lap. But right. he, I mean, that's the only way of him getting minutes right now. So I mean, he's not going to help defensively, and, and you cannot ask from him a lot. Um, my thing with Taylor is that he needs to help on offense. He needs to do a lot more. But um, aside from that, you know, I think Mota didn't have any help, and that's why he was struggling with the with the field, and, and he didn't have any help, so he was exposed and and. I don't think that's the reason why he gets the, the second yellow, but it might play a factor into it, you know, an early uh, yellow as well. So uh, for me, I think Mota, it was an, an overall good experience for him on on, on Sunday.
0: Hindsight is 2020, 20, but do you agree with me that you think there should have been a more like-for-like like change in that midfield and Victor Ulloa should have started?
3: Yes, 100%. Yes, 100%. I would I would have I would have started Uyoa and I and I would have um I would have played Taylor on the wing on the right side and and leave Indiana on the bench. Second, second second half substitution I think Indiana can give you something there but you know having him start um especially when you're exposing the middle and you're I, I don't know why I I really don't understand why Robert Taylor is not good enough. Uh, on the coaching staff I to just put him on the wing, on the right side or on the left. Because Ari Lester can play on the right as well
0: and then cut inside. I feel, like the between, really during, I feel like the coaching staff really likes Indiana Vasilev. I feel like the coaching staff really likes Indiana Vasilev, which I'm not 100% sold on him. And, of course, you bring him so. in,
3: you know. Uh, during this, you're not going to bring a player in and you're going to bench him for weeks. I mean, you give him at least. And I don't know if that's what they're doing, but I... I believe Robert Taylor can perform at a higher level on the wing, on the right side than Indiana. I mean, that's, that's the way I see it.
0: Right. I would agree with you. I'd agree I'd with you. Be I, wrong. Think, I think that's where, I think that's where they, I think that's where Phil Neville made a mistake in this one. I think his game plan to start, listen, if Gregory's there, he's starting. Gregory's starting, right? Like I think, I don't think anyone here disagrees with that. And if, if you don't have Gregory, then I think a like for like change makes the most sense. Trying to get creative and trying to boss that midfield with three, with three more attack-minded midfielders, central midfielders makes sense. T- it, you know, it can make sense on paper or in theory, but who's the ball winner in that middle of the park? Who's going to help you close the gaps? Who's going to help you track runners? Who's going to help you tack get some tackles in there, some clean tackles in there, and, and help you with the recovery of the ball, with the co- recuperation. I think that they they made a mistake there. But I think Steve is trying to say something.
2: Um, No, I wasn't. No, no, not necessarily on that point, man. No, not really. But yeah, I mean, just Gregorio and Motta had been like a good partnership. So when you break it up, inevitably you're going to get one guy. It's going to be unbalanced, isn't it? And um, yeah, that was just the story of the game.
0: So do you think Victorio
2: should have started? Well, I I guess so. In, In retrospect, you look at it, guess maybe to shore it up a bit more but maybe you thought Robert Taylor could do that job he's a pretty versatile player isn't he but he just you know he couldn't he couldn't do it but maybe that you know that was the chance for Robert Taylor and get that sort of role but it didn't really work for him but that's not to say that he wouldn't be able to do it in the future I don't know he's like you say I think they see him as quite a versatile kind of player you know
0: I don't think he has enough muscle to to really help that midfield in that way in that way but let's let's move he's on good player
2: though isn't he he's, he's good, good. absolutely he's powerful he's good on the ball yeah yeah.
0: that's But I, th- I, like I,
1: I think we should be a winner. I think we all agree he should ladies be a
0: absolutely, I agree with that. Yeah. I think he should be on the wing. I think he should be a starting winger on this team. Or he should be getting another look as a starting winger on this team. Now does that push Indiana Vasilev out? Okay. I mean, I'm fine with that because Indiana Vasilev, yes, he gives you a lot of effort, a lot of hustle, a lot of commitment to the, the overall cause. But that, that final bit, that quality that you need in the final third I don't see enough from Indiana Vasilev there but Robert Taylor did have a bad and you game could, did have a what bad I
1: game. was what I was saying at the beginning is you could with Robert Taylor uh, you can have and like Jose said you can have them change position with Ariel change and you can have that you, we saw it in the game that Phil uh, put him in that position we saw how versatile Miami was so I think he, he, Phil is missing that uh, I think of course, you if you get a, a player unknown from the Premier League, you're gonna try to play him. So I understand that point, but like I said at the beginning, I don't think Indiana is ready to be a starter in this team. Maybe he can come as a sub and be a good sub, but think as things is as things are. Sorry, I don't think he's he he should be starting before Robert Taylor in that in that in that
0: in that wing. Yeah, Ro- Robert Taylor had a pretty poor game overall, though. He had the turnover that leads to that fourth-minute goal. Just played a bad back pass. I don't know if he, you know, I don't think he picked up his head up in, in, to see where Damian Lowe was. He kind of just played it aimlessly and it got it got picked up by Joseph Martinez who feeds Luis Araujo and a good clinical one-timed effort from outside the penalty area that finds the bottom left corner. Pass straight calendar. That's the 1-0 for Atlanta United and the early hole for Inter-Miami. Robert Taylor also misses on a great look to make it one-to-one later on in the first half, before the ejection, Ariel Lasseter, who for me and Jose, I know you will enjoy hearing this, who is the most dangerous inter-Miami attacker on the field he takes a shot from the left <laughs> side it's parried into the path of Robert Taylor, in front of an empty net, and he wasn't like right there, it wasn't like he was two yards away he was a bit further away, off center to the right, but you have to put those away, especially on the road. I think even Phil Neville kind of alluded to it in his post-game press conference saying, you know, the chances you do get, you have to put away. Robert Taylor does not. He skies it over the crossbar. Inter Miami wastes that opportunity to pull level. Not long later, Jean Mota is sent off. And that's where we're going to dive into now because I want to hear your opinions as to the ejection. I think, and I know Jose is already going to like start accusing me of saying this or that in our WhatsApp group, but I will make this very clear. I think that the foul, the second foul, the yellow, the second yellow that leads to his ejection, I think it is a soft foul. And I think it's a tough and harsh call to give him a second yellow on that foul because it's a game-changing decision there. Now Inter Miami's playing with 10 men, so I think it's a bad call. At the same time... Jean Mota put himself in a bad position there. Because if you are on a yellow card and you know you're one bad foul or one potentially ticky-tack foul away from being sent off, and I know he made only subtle, subtle or slight contact, I still think he should have done better there. He, he, he obviously gets his hand on the torso or in the upper body of, of the dribbler, the, uh, which was Marcelo Moreno. It's Modeno. not a
2: foul, though, is it? It's it's, I agree foul.
0: it's, not a, it's not a foul. I agree it's, though, it's, I agree, it's, it's not a foul. It's not a foul. But he, but, not a foul. But he puts himself so, in a bad position by putting it's... his hand on the upper body. Because then Marcelo Moreno felt the contact. And, not he, a and, foul. and he. Falls. It's not, a foul. not so... it's a foul. I'm not arguing with you that it's a foul. I'm not arguing with you it's a foul. But I'm saying Gene Mota put himself in a bad you're
3: position. Up in a scenario, you're bringing up in a scenario in which it seems like there was... Uh, there was a way of the referee getting away with a bad call because he exposed himself to a situation absolutely,
0: on an Atlanta United on an Atlanta United counterattack, if you put your hand on the upper body of the dribbler and then the dribbler sells it and throws himself to the ground, yes, you you might be that player might be able to dupe the ref into a bad call, which is what happened here. And the referee bought it and he sends off Gene Mota. Gene Mota should have done better. Yeah, I don't think I think the ref the it's referee. An error. No, it's
1: an error, Franco. It's an error from the referee. Feeling right. Not, I'm, not he, can, I'm not disagreeing with you.
0: I'm not disagreeing
1: with you. He knew there. he knew he knew the referee knew that that wasn't a foul for his second yellow. He knew he already had a yellow card. No other ref in anywhere in the world will throw you for that. It 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 it, it, it wasn't it wasn't not even it, it we cannot say like it was a soft yellow because I don't even think it was a sub-yellow. We have seen this type of calls. Not even you call a foul and that's it. You don't, you, you don't get a card.
2: A and this time foul. it was not
3: even a foul.
1: Exactly. It was a, it's a big
2: foul and he'd already booked him before. Right? And so you just, you know, you do show a bit of leniency. There's no, exactly. that's not that's not a red card. Exactly. It's, you know, to give him two no, bookings uh, like that. It's just, exactly. It's just poor from the, poor from the referee.
1: I agree um, with that. The referee yeah. should have known that it's the 29th minute. He already has a yellow card. You cannot give him his second yellow card. Also that that, that is
0: agree yeah. I, that that I agree shameful. with And I agree, and with, I agree with
1: Phil that he had to go and talk to the referee. Listen to me, Franco. Inter Miami is not a good team. They need to get points however they can. So Phil needs to go to the referee and speak to him because sure, that yeah. was a... That was a bad call.
0: Listen, I tweeted and this I in sure the moment. I
1: feel
0: 100% with you. N- we'll, so I, we'll, we'll dive into Phil Neville's postgame comments in a bit. But I tweeted this in the game. It's a bad call. It's a, it's a terrible call to throw someone out for that because it's a game-changing decision. That said, Jean Mota put himself in that position by putting his hand on the upper body of Marcelo Moreno. If he doesn't do that, Marcelo Moreno doesn't throw himself on the ground or doesn't fall to the ground. And there's no second yellow. But because he put his hand on the on the upper body, regardless of... I don't think it's a foul. I'm with you guys. I don't think it's a foul. Especially not a second yellow foul. But because he does that, he puts himself at risk of this potential type of refereeing mistake. And that's what happened. And Inter Miami was like... G.Mota doesn't even argue the call, by the way. G.Mota just walks off the field. So... He well, exactly. must have been
1: This is a contact sport, man. Of course, if you say you don't put their hands, it's a contact sport. It shouldn't be. It shouldn't. Then have you been leave. A, a then
0: you card. leave yourself exposed for the potential unless, type of call.
3: Unless it becomes a non-contact sport once you get a yellow card. Maybe that's the case. I don't know if that's the world you're living in right now, Franco. But. No, I mean, listen. It's just, it's, it's not a foul. It's not a foul, and I think it's, it's very simple. It's not a foul. That's the moment that changes the game. That's I not the moment. See, maybe... no, no, no,
0: no. See, let, let's dive into that because it's not the moment that changes the game. That it, that it is no, Andrea, no, is. no change. See, and I thought, I thought it was disingenuous post game, from Phil Neville to, to, you know, he tried, he tried to not talk about the decision, but then he did talk about the decision, in a. In a, no, no, way, no, no. in a muted way. In no. a muted way. The Intermime was no. already down 1-0, and they were not playing great before the sending off. The sending off doomed no, them no, to it defeat.
2: It changes the game totally, doesn't it? So
0: It changes the game, but they weren't playing well in those first 30 minutes before that. No. So let, let's focus on so, why I'm they so. weren't playing well, as opposed okay. to saying, well, the red okay. card is what doomed them to defeat. They were already losing. They were already losing, and they yeah, weren't playing but great.
1: they, they could have tied. 11 players they could tie because, like I told you, Atlanta wasn't that great,
0: and they could also go down 2 0 with 11 players. So, but
3: Miami, they, they never get off to good starts, they never get off to good starts. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, going a man down, it's pretty obvious that's yeah. that's that's the key of the game, right there. I mean. I mean, we never know. I mean, you're absolutely right. The Atlantic could have scored two, three goals on them in the second half with 11 players. But the same thing we can say about Inter-Miami, maybe they turn things around. The matter of the fact is that Mota got sent off. He got the red card, and that's what it is. I mean, we can go through different scenarios um, of what could have happened, but the one thing that actually happened is the red card. And that's why they end up, you know, they are handicapped throughout the game, and, and that's the key moment in the game. I mean, there's, there's no doubt about it. Listen, Inter Miami is not a, a good team. Atlanta is not a great team as well. They're pretty even, so anything could happen. Anytime they meet up, anything can happen. I mean, there's not a huge difference between both teams, and um, I do believe that's the moment that changes the game. And I do agree 100% with with, with Phil in the press conference comments. I I think uh, I think this is this is this is the moment where. Um, and I understand the reason why he doesn't go through the red card the way he wanted, and he didn't do it in the halftime interview as well, and that's why. That's why I'm gonna he doesn't want, he why, doesn't want to get fined.
0: He doesn't want to get fined, absolutely.
3: And that's the reality of MLS, and that's that's why we get this this type of uh, refereeing because um, nobody's allowed to complain about things here. And so if you're not allowed to talk about the referees and, you know, that's the way you get better. You know, you need to get exposed when you make a bad call. You need to get exposed by the people that know, by the people that are exactly in the same scenario that you are as a referee, people that are on the field. Not us, because, I mean, we can talk about it because we have replays and we can see the play all, all over again. But, you know, the way people saw it on the field, people should be allowed to talk about that after the game. And Field is not able to voice the frustration. Why? Because he's afraid of the repercussions that he's going to get from the league. And that shouldn't be acceptable. That shouldn't be acceptable. Of course, if you insult the referee and you go over the line, then, yeah, then you should be disciplined. But if you want to voice your opinion on what you saw on the field, I think you have the right to do it.
0: I'm gonna break a rule that I have for myself here because through a hundred episodes, I have never ever cursed on this podcast. But I will break that rule now. It's a personal rule I have, but I'm breaking it. It's a bullshit call. It's a bullshit call. But I see I can see where the ref from his eyes thinks it's a foul. From where he was standing, for it where he's like, okay, well, he just stopped the counterattack. From his eyes, from his vantage point, I could see where a referee makes that decision. Do I agree with the decision? No. But I can see where a referee makes a decision. And I think that's where jean Mota, as an experienced player, one of the most experienced players on this team, should have known better. It's needless. It's needless to make contact that far from goal. He, this is this is an intermine excuse me, this is an Atlanta United's half as they're trying to spring forward on a counterattack. Needless for him to touch Marcelo Moreno there. Needless. Un- unnecessary. Unnecessary. Especially when you're on a Did yellow. Did he spot.
2: even touch him though? Did he touch
0: he him? He does touch him. He does touch him. He puts his hand on his torso and Marcelo Moreno goes down. Again, bullshit call. He's marking call. Franco. But He's if you're on a yellow, Andrea, if you're on a yellow, and you and the other no, team you count, need to
1: mark. If you're but on a yellow, and the other answer. team,
0: if you're on a yellow, and the other team is counterattacking you, and you bring the player down, and you stop the promising attack, or the promising looking attack, then the referee can absolutely make that call. Again, I think it's a bullshit call. Yeah, but, but I think, But I, even, see, I not, see where the referee can not, make that decision.
1: It, it was not even... And not a clear opportunity on goal, as you are saying. It was not even that. The referee messed up. And the thing is that here, as Jose was saying, and we were commenting also, Steve, here, you cannot say that. And the thing is that it needs to be said because this referee should be banned one game because of his mistake. But he's going to get it another game the next weekend. And that's the problem.
0: Well, that's, that, a, that's a different that's talking why, point. That's Whether the referee's in MLS, why, that's, that's a different talking point, Andrea.
1: That's why I, under, why I understand Phil, because his team is not a good team. And, and I repeat, he needs to, when he sees this kind of stuff, he needs to speak on it. So that is why I support him this time with the comments. Because it was not a second uh, yellow. It was not a sending off. I 100% agree with all that Steven Jose said. I, it was not. I would, listen. It changed the game.
0: The game was already in Atlanta United's favor, and Atlanta United was the better team. So, uh, it, did it change the game? Did uh, did it dust off and seal off Inter Miami's chances of winning? Yes, but Inter Miami wasn't showing a whole lot before then. And I think it's it's disingenuous to just say, "Oh, well, the red card changed the game," when the 30 minutes before then, Inter Miami showed very little to nothing with the ball. But let's 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 continue on with Phil Neville's post game comments because you guys just touched on an important point he probably withheld his true feelings towards it because he does say i'm not surprised in one of his initial remarks about about the foul or about the sending off probably because he has been reprimanded in the past for being very critical of referees during a post-game press conference now again i'm with him i don't think that that should have been a second yellow i'm with you guys i don't think it should have been a second yellow But I think there needed to be a little bit more self-criticism, a little bit more reflection on those first 30 minutes as to why they were in that situation where they're down 1-0 and they're not looking very good and they're not playing very well and why there was rust while Atlanta United didn't show anywhere near as much rust, if any at all. So I think there needs to be a little bit more reflection there from why the game plan did not work as opposed to just saying, well... We lost because of this red card in a game we were already losing. In by the way,
3: but no, I mean it. it, It's obvious to me. It's obvious. I mean, it's it's very clear. Um, They had no chance. They had no chance at winning that game. And let me tell you something. Um, If there's a positive out of this game for Inter Miami, it's the way they tried. I'm not going to say they gave up because they didn't. They didn't. They kept on trying. And Campana had had a chance or two in the second half. And maybe if they score a goal, they put more pressure on on, on Atlanta. Then maybe they have a chance. But but the matter, what really happened, what we saw on the field, was uh, all conditioned by the by the red card. And 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 Philly's absolutely right in the red card. And listen, I'll be the first one to tell you. I'll be the first one to tell you if 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 it looked like an excuse more than situation that actually happened i'll be the first one to tell you that phil should have done better and and that team should have performed at a higher level but i think they did everything they 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 could have done but the yellow the red card was just too much for them And, and 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 that's i mean that that's a reality that's a reality as much as you want to see inter miami play as a top team in the league when they are down a man they are in a, in an even worse situation than what they already are, when they get started, okay. when they were playing on the road, and yes, they did they, they did not get out to a good. I agree with that, but after so, that, so Guard, let's
0: so let's not forget that because that that seemed to be forgotten about in the post game, the heat of the moment. It was more about yeah, the, the game is not the game is
3: not thirty minutes. I mean, the game is ninety minutes,
0: and they were already so losing after those thirty minutes. minutes. So there's no guarantee Time.
3: How many times in the season have you seen Inter-Miami play bad for 30 minutes? A lot, right? A lot. Even in the games that they have been able to win, they are not a team full of consistency. They are not a team that will play at a high level for full 90 minutes. They might be able to play at a high level for 60 minutes, but they are not going to play at a high level for 90 minutes. They have ups and downs throughout a game. And so if you tell me they're playing bad in the first 30 minutes, that doesn't necessarily mean that they're gonna lose the game. They still have 60 minutes and they have shown they can play they, they have they, they can carry some momentum with a goal playing with 11. but they're, when they're playing with 10 and, and they, 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 they create chances in the second half. And so I mean yes they didn't play at a high level in the first 30 minutes, but that's not unusual for them. So that's why I, I look at the red card. And, and, and I get your point. I get your point. But the red card, to me, was a game-changing moment.
0: Okay, I'm going to give you two things, and then, and then we can move on from here. Two things. One is a quote from Christopher McVeigh. Today, Wednesday. Quote, you are not always on the same page as the ref, but we cannot be blaming them. We have got to go and do what we can do, and I will leave that to the refs. And that to me, end quote, that to me, Franco Panizo, is is where Inter Miami's focus needs to be on. Yes, it was a terrible call. But focus on the first 30 minutes before then. Why were they not playing well before then? That's what needs to be addressed more, as much as referees need to be better in MLS. Because guess what? That's out of Inter Miami's control, whether the referees are good or not. What they can control is how well they play. And they did not play well before that sending off. And I echo... Christopher McVeigh's sentiments. Phil Neville might be miffed. He might be upset at the referees. Guess what? Referees make bad decisions every season, every year, in every league. So, even if the refs got better, Frank there's not the best, all of a sudden. Even if the referees got better, there's not all of a sudden going to be this magic wand that makes all bad decisions go away. And this is the second thing. I bet it's- you asked the same question. I- Listen,
3: I bet you asked the same question to McVeigh on Sunday, and he gives you a different answer. I mean, honestly, come on. It's Wednesday. It, you, they not, have necess- no, not necessarily, no.
0: I disagree that with that. Why
1: they, that. That is why the team made uh, Mabika talk and not one of the experienced players. No, see, I, I would disagree
0: practice. with you because e- even Phil Neville was saying, you know, he touched on the rust and the three weeks off and there was, there was this rust from the team. Mabika in his post-game press conference was like, yeah, you could probably attribute it, some of it to rust, but he didn't want to attribute it all to the rust. Like he was hesitant to say, we're going to make that the reason why we didn't play well or why we didn't come out in better in this one. So it's it's valid they didn't had 3 weeks off. It's valid that they came out out of the gates rusty. But why were they so rusty whereas other teams like Atlanta United in this one were not as rusty. That's that's where the question lies. Why didn't they why weren't they able to prepare during the 3 weeks as well as other teams like Atlanta United. And here's the other thing I'm going to throw at you guys. With the sending off, controversial or not, of Gene Mota, Inter-Miami has tied the league lead in sending offs in 2022.
3: They have four. Is it 10 red cards, 15 red cards? How many red cards?
0: It's four red cards, four ejections, go. four, four oh, sending no. offs. <laughs> the... Steve, Steve, please help me here. <laughs> well, that's that's funny. He's four red cards. Come they... on. They have four sending-offs. This is just a stat. This is not an opinion. This is a stat. Four sending-offs tied for the league high in MLS. That does not include the two sending-offs that they also had in the U.S. Open Cup. Robbie Robinson got one against Tormenta, and Damian Lowe got one, if my memory serves me correctly, against Miami FC. So, in total, across all competitions, Inter-Miami has had six sending-offs this year. And they are not—they are not able to keep eleven men on the field as consistently as I'm sure they would like, and as I'm sure Inter Miami fans would like. And that's something that needs to be addressed. I asked Damian Lowe and Christopher McVeigh about that. Damian Lowe said it's something they're conscious of, but that it's just about walking a fine line. That—that that very well could be the case. But guess what? Inter Miami, in all of last year, Jose, since you, since you're, since you're, chomping the bit over there. In all of last year, Inter-Miami had four sending-offs. In all of last year. We're not even at the halfway point of this year, and they already have four sending-offs. Last year, they also finished tied for last in terms of yellow cards. I'm trying to pull up the number. I'm trying to remember if it's 80 or 81. But they they finished last year with, hold on, I'm pulling it up here, 81 yellow cards. 81 yellow cards through 34 games. Through 15 games, how many yellow cards do you think Inter-Miami has right now, Jose? I don't know. You tell me. How many? Do you, do you think it's a lot? Do you think it's a little? Uh, What? Um, 60? They have 40. So not even at halfway point of the season. And they're almost, or well, they are halfway to the league leading total from last year in terms of yellow cards. So this team needs to find a way to avoid getting all these now cards. They fight.
3: Now they play. Now they play the physical. That's good. I congratulate the team for that. Four red cards. Come on, that's not a big deal. Four red cards, and, and well,
0: especially after the fourth. Four one, red cards and 15, go, So four red cards and fifteen games. Four red cards and fifteen uh, games. That, that that's is okay. a
1: little, Franco. Wow,
0: that's a little. No, not, so if you play, you're almost playing one third of your games down a man based on that, and that's that's a little to you. Okay, I mean that's I, that's that's. Surprising I would have to, to go.
3: Me. I would have to go back through the to the other three red cards. I can give them to you. I can, him to you. Yeah. I can give them to you.
0: I can give to you off the but top I, of my I, head.
3: I, I, no, I need video. I need to Damien, watch the video.
0: Damien Lowe and Haido Quinteros both got sent off against the Union Revolution. And the fourth one he was Breck Shea. doesn't even she. play
3: Quinteros. I mean...
0: Well, they both got they both got yeah. ejected in that game. The Inter-Miami lost that game. And Breck Shea got ejected in a game earlier in the season against LAFC. Inter-Miami lost that game as well.
3: Well, maybe they play a different style this year. You know? Sometimes... Um, it's a different team, and maybe they are a little bit more physical now. They try to stop play in the middle, and that's why they get more yellow cards. As last year, we're playing with five in the back, then you don't get as many um, yellow cards. I don't know. I just I, I don't think four red cards is a lot. I don't think that's. A, I that's
0: I would it. disagree with you whole wholeheartedly, and I'll use this last piece as a, as a stat, and we can move on from this topic. Last year, Inter-Miami was amongst the worst teams in 2021 in terms of red cards. And they had four last year. The Only two teams finished worse than them in terms of red cards in 2021. CF Montreal was one of them with five. And the league leader in red cards ended up being the MLS Cup champion, New York City FC with eight. So if you don't think four is a lot, especially for 15 games... I don't then okay, then we can just we can just agree, not, but disa- so agree to disagree. It's not.
1: You should watch the Mexican league or the Honduras but league. We're not talking about like the Mexican like league. We're not talking yeah, about the Mexican but league, Andrea. We're talking about fifteen games and four red cards. It's not that much. Let's be real. It's Andrea, not
0: that much. The last year's last year's last place team or the, the team that got the most red cards had eight. The next the next highest was Five in five. Five. Five thirty four games. Inter Miami's at four and fifteen. I get, just do the math there, and to me, to me, that that's that's too much. That's too much. They need to find a way to keep the players on the field to give themselves a better chance at picking up points. Because right now he they're in tenth place.
1: That that much because you had two sending offs in one game. You still had I two sending ahead. offs in one no, game. You still like had two sending had offs had in one game, Andrea. That you were missing that you were and the, I, I gave They're you
0: two Open that, Cup games throw the Open Cup games deal. throw the Open Cup games in there now we're talking about even more games there's there's definitely something that has to be addressed there they cannot be playing down a man this often because it's it's going to you, you guys said it this is not a very good team this is not a great team so they need to keep their 11 players on the field as often as possible to give themselves the best chance as possible to try to pick up either a draw or a win but anyway Let's leave it there. Let's move yeah, on. Let's move on. I want to hear Steve. Yeah, no, let's do it.
2: <laughs> Can I, uh, I need to use the restroom, man. I need, I need to use the restroom very briefly.
0: <laughs> okay, <laughs> uh, this, is the first, this is the first bathroom break in Miami Total Fútbol Radio have to have history. Yeah, history. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. all right. Well, Steve's going to go to the bathroom while we continue on with the show. And then we'll, we'll pick up with Steve when he returns. Please wash your hands upon doing so. Now, let's switch gears. Let's switch gears. I think at this point with this game... There's one more thing that I think Inter-Miami, that we can touch on from this game, but it's an overarching thing for this season. And that is that Inter-Miami's attack, even though there were improvements before the break, 100%, their attack through 15 games, is another stat, has 15 goals. 15 goals in 2022. That is second fewest in the Eastern Conference. That's again to me something that they have to address and improve if they are going to make a real push for the playoffs. They need more goals than just one per game, which is what they're averaging. Jose, how do they get more goals out of this attack?
3: Um they need more players. They need new players. That's how they get exactly.
1: um, by strikers they, instead oh. of midfielders.
3: <laughs> they they need better players. I mean that's I you think stay that's, with those that's, strikers. Um, no, no, I, I think the system is working fine right now. I think, you know, uh, I think Gary Lassiter is playing, is playing okay. I think, you know, but it but it is what it is with him. I mean, he's going to miss the opportunities. You know, he's not going to send every single cross. It's not going to be a good one. Um, he's going to make bad decisions. Um, and and I think that the situation on the right wing, I mean, you have a player, but you're not playing him there, which is Robert Taylor, things might might be a little bit better with him there, um, but I guess the coaching staff is not ready to make that decision. And with Indiana there, you're you're gonna get the same that you get on the left side with 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 Addy and and then Campana can only score so many goals.
0: Exactly, so, they, they need, he needs help. He needs help in that goal. And that's something Phil Neville did touch on weeks ago that they need other players to contribute in that goal-scoring department. So, if this team's going to have any chance at making the playoffs. Other players need to pick up the load. Other players need to help out, contribute. But I agree with both of you. They only have two
1: strikers.
0: But I mean, well, strikers aren't But strikers aren't the only ones that can score goals. You can get goals from other areas, be it set pieces, be it but your wingers, be it your you, midfielders. If
1: you, we have we have talked here about the problem they have in set pieces. And then if you ask Ariel Lassiter and whoever is playing on the other wing to get back and defend also, you cannot be asking them to score so many goals. That's
3: no, the No, but truth. the striker is not the problem. The striker is not the problem because the striker is actually the only one scoring goals right now. So, Campana, if you're going to play the same uh, tactical setup and you get one striker, then you look for goals from your striker, you're getting them. You're getting them. I mean, you cannot get any more goals than Campana. Yeah, uh, but you're too-
1: not getting points with them. You get one once a while. You win one game to not be last, but you're not getting anything else from them.
3: It's hard for me to see this team playing in the playoffs. I don't yeah, know. me you too. Still, you still I, don't, I don't think, think you still they're
1: don't very, a playoff team. Yeah. They are very <laughs> limited. If you compare them to other uh, other teams, like playing Minnesota this Saturday... If you compare it to Minnesota, Minnesota has also eighteen points in their in their conference in, in in the West. They also have eighteen points. But if you see Minnesota, you see a possibility of them getting to the playoffs because they are they play better. They have options. They're more entertaining. They're a better team. But with Inter Miami, you still don't see that. And it's hard because it's new players and a new system and all of that. But you don't see like Like the engine turning on on this team to see that they could have uh, especially in this time that they play so many games that they could have consistency to win and get into the playoffs
0: I want to hear from El Primo El Primo's been quiet, he just returned from his quick break so Primo, we are talking about Inter Miami's need to improve in the goals department, I shared this stat I think while you were gone 15 games played, 15 goals scored, averaging obviously to just one per game. I think that's something that clearly needs to be improved if they're going to yeah, yep. make the playoffs. Your thoughts on how they can improve in the goal-scoring department?
2: Well, the midfielders just got to weigh in, haven't they? And just try and get, score, score the goals. Campania can't do it on, on his own. I guess, you know, Gonzalo's there, but with, you know his time is diminishing, isn't it? So. You know, you need like a Robert Taylor or one of those guys to really sort of come up and, yeah, start start contributing. Like, But that's, that's the holy grail, isn't it? That's what you want in a, in a winning team. Yeah, but, I
3: think the, the one guy is Bryce Duke, right? I mean, he's he's the one yeah, guy. He's got,
2: he's got a goal in him, I think. Yeah,
3: he has that capability of scoring. But then again, it's early in his career, so maybe he needs to take a step. And I don't know if that's going to happen this year or if it's going to happen next year. But he's definitely a guy that can can score goals. And, and yeah, you look for options. And, and listen, you don't have a lot. You don't have a lot right now. So that's why I told you I think you need more players. You I need love, better they players. They did say
0: on the broadcast. Well, they did say on the broadcast. And Steve's going to, going to chime in here a little bit. They did say on the broadcast on ESPN that Inter looking. That's what they said on the broadcast. They're looking to bring in three TAM-level players. They did not say what positions, but that's what they said on the broadcast. Explain what
3: is a TAM-level player for people that don't know. Targeted
0: allocation money player. So it's not a designated player like the likes of Gonzalo Higuain, but it's like that next category of players. Essentially, like uh, a Gregory would be a TAM player. Lewis Morgan, when he was here, he was a TAM player players so steve yeah. what can you tell us but, about yeah. that because i know you've you've picked up some information you've collected well, some info over the last few days with regards to that
2: yeah well no just that they were trying to get two two players in but it was uh they weren't that confident of, of getting the deals done i guess the the market's a little bit strange or it's difficult to with teams in europe finishing i'm not sure i'm not sure the players names but they're definitely trying to get a couple in so do you know positions uh, do you yet, have an idea of happened. positions oh no Nothing yet. Yeah, have to update next next week, I guess. But um yeah. Yeah, fresh faces is always good. It always reinvigorates the squad, but it's just trying to get the right ones in. But I think on the whole, their recruitment so far has been pretty decent. I think the players that have come in have made the team better. Uh which is the the whole point. Have they been amazing players? No, not yet. But I think they will have potential. Um so if they can get a couple more in, then it you know, it changes the squad dynamic even more, I guess.
0: Well, I imagine if we're looking to bring in players, they're going to... If TAM level players, I imagine they're going to look to bring in players that will help out the attack. I think you're looking at a central midfielder, maybe an attacking midfielder, and and possibly a winger. Because they still have oh, yeah. not found a solution yeah. for that yeah. other wing spot. And even Ariel Lester, for as well as he's played and as much as he surprised me, even he's not producing at a great rate. I'm sure Phil Melvin and his coaching staff would like him to produce at a higher rate in terms of goals... And Assists, and that's something that has plagued Inter Miami this season. They're not getting enough from their wingers, not enough, not consistently. That's something that has to be improved on if they're going to make a real push for the playoffs. Because if you're just going to rely on Leonardo Campana to score and then get the odd goal here or there from somebody else, I don't know if that's going to be enough for you. Now, quickly, they unless... are not a
1: playoff team,
0: okay? So you're saying right, right now, now at right? Least They are not. Right, but we still have the summer window, which, again, we've seen in MLS countless times. You can bring in players in the summer window, and that can change your season just like that, and you can push towards the playoffs and then win MLS Cup. Let's move on. Let's move on, because there's a couple things... Hold there's a couple things I want to talk about that that happened over the break while while we were away as a podcast. Robbie Robinson suffered an injury that rules him out four to five months. That's almost the length of the rest of the season. Mo Adams... Mutually agreed to part ways with the team he is signing or has signed with in Saudi Arabian Club. Noah Allen was called up to the U.S. Under-20 Men's National Team for their U-20 World Cup qualifiers in the CONCACAF U-20 Championship. And there was also the beautiful game at Drive Pink Stadium that was held this past weekend. A bunch of big-name players, current and former well, I guess you're always a big name. I guess the, you you know the big name doesn't go away. But players that were they're still active, and players that are retired, and they played a high scoring game that had as many field invasions, pitch invasions, as they did goals. It seemed like. But let's quickly just jump into one each, starting with Primo with Mo Adams, because again, you I think you have information on that. What can you tell us about Mo Adams' departure? He's no longer an Inter-Miami player, a very short-lived tenure for him, but again, he's off to the middle.
2: Mo Adams following the Saudi money, just like the goal for Newcastle United and everyone else. Yeah, Mo Adams on $130,000 in Miami, paid four times that amount to go and play in Saudi Arabia, so they ripped up his contract. He clearly wanted to go. I think he upset people behind the scenes there in, into Miami. Um, and yeah, off he goes to chase, chase the money. So uh good good deal for him but a shame because i think he was quite a tidy little little player as well and i think he could have he could have helped the squad out big time in the as the season went on but um yeah he's gone gone chasing the money you can't really blame him
0: he's going to al shabab al shabab in saudi arabia in when yeah. i when i mentioned a few weeks ago or on the last pod which was a few weeks ago that there were moves in the works he was one of them he's one of the moves that i had heard of that inter miami was was working on finalizing and and he was ready to part ways i mean he was surplus to requirements here anyway he wasn't getting that many minutes as of late anymore once bryce duke's uh emergence happened in that midfield you know mo adams had started the year as a contributor part-time starter but once bryce duke broke into the fold once robert taylor got involved mo Adams' place in the lineup really or in the rotation really fell uh, or he fell out of favor now Let's go to Andrea because you were at the beautiful game. We sat together. It was your birthday, so happy belated birthday! Here's a cheers to Andrea. Uh, Andrea, what did Ooh. you think? Andrea, what did you think of that game? And what did Jose get you for your birthday? Just kidding.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, I got plenty of gifts. I, I I've done well on my birthday, so nice. thank you guys. Thank you guys for the wishes. I I like the game. I like this. This concept, I I usually follow when they play all those soccer aides or Real Madrid legends versus Liverpool legends. I really love it because, well, I grew up watching Roberto Carlos, Ronaldo, Rivaldo, Ronaldinho, Figo, Zidane, and all those players. Um, so it was nice. It was nice to see them. It was nice to see Van Bam, Bam. It was nice to see Liverpool. all those players, which are stars. So it was nice. Um, it was nice watching them. It was nice for people because... We saw a lot of people. We saw people from all parts of Miami that were going to the game. The only bad thing is uh, the stadium needs to take control because it was a very tricky situation. And it was a very tricky situation in the end because they couldn't even give the trophy. Of course, it's a bogus trophy. It's a friendly game. But they couldn't even do that the the post-match because people were invading the pitch and you have barcelona coming uh in july so you need to fix that because even though barcelona doesn't have Messi or all of those games people are still going to jump and try to get a picture with them so it's it really needs to uh, to be fixed and other stuff that talking with the uh, with the fans is the parking lot at the stadium they need to fix that too so i don't have any any complaints about the game it was awesome watching all those guys play but the parking and the pitch invasions were unacceptable, in my
0: opinion. The parking situation and getting into the stadium was problematic. Yeah, very difficult to get into. And, you know, all I'll say is if I was there in attendance, I had just returned from my trip to the Middle East and, and uh, East Europe. If you had fun, good, good. Because that's what the game was for. A lot of goals. You know, you had Rao Alejandro, you had reggaeton artists out there. I know Steve doesn't know any of them. Steve was also there. Primo was also in a tendency to know who any of the reggaeton artists
2: were. I was actually the hardest. And I was actually at the hotel in the afternoon as well, looking at the players. <laughs> so uh, I spent speaking to the players. So. Well, he's trying to anyway. Did you but, pick up any no,
0: reggaeton? You know what went?
1: surprised me? Like, Steve Nash and uh, Chalo Chocinco knowing how to <laughs> kick a ball. I've, I've seen he's Steve Nash Steve play Nash. before. I've yes. seen Steve
0: Nash play before. He was. Yeah, he, he's been invited to different events, I think with uh, Stu Holden and different events over the years. So he he can definitely play. He can definitely play. Okay,
1: yeah,
0: switching like gears. That. Jose, Jose, you get the privilege of talking about Robbie Robinson and the injury. <laughs> Does, listen? Uh, well, we've talked about it at length. Over the last several pods, you know, and I feel like we've pinotted him quite a bit. Just you know, been very critical. Obviously, you don't wish any injury on any player, but this is the no, latest. Ever. This is the latest for him in his short career. I think the label of injury prone is is adequate now, and I think even more. I already said that I thought it was you know it was, we were entering that conversation. I think the the label of bust is also there for him. Do you agree with both of those labels for Robbie Robinson at this point in his career? Um, I would say this. I, w- I would say
3: this. Um, I think you know he needs to take his time. He needs to take his time to come back. Um, it- it's obviously hard to process the thought that you're not going. You're not going to play until next year.
0: Um, yeah, he could. He could come back. He could come back this good. year if Inter makes the playoffs.
3: Yeah, he could, but. Maybe if he takes, takes his time, uh, not that I'm being pessimistic, but I think by the time he's ready to come back, maybe the season is already done for the team. I don't know. Maybe I'm being too pessimistic here. But if that's the case, I think it's, he, he needs to take his time and, uh, and maybe think things through during the off season and, and see what's not working for him in his routine, um, what needs to change for him uh, coming into next year. And so, um, obviously, he's very young. He still has a lot of time. And this is not this is this is an injury that you know he's going to recover from. This is not an ACL or something like that. Um, He's going to he's going to come back from this. But I think you know sometimes player players between a season in in between seasons they they decide they decide to change things, whether um, the things they're eating or, or how they work out. Maybe that's, that's the tricking part that needs to come next for, for Robbie Robinson. And, and in terms of what, he's going to, what the team is going to be missing, I mean, I'm, I'm sorry to say this, but I don't think the, the team is going to miss a lot with him not being available. Um, I, 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 just, I just don't see it. Maybe you know an effort guy in the second half, um, I think Indiana is that guy. You know When Robert Taylor finally starts as a right wing, then Indiana is the effort guy coming in the second half. And so um, that, that's about it with Robbie. I, I wish a full recovery and very soon. And, and hopefully he's, he's, he's going to take that next step as well into his career and, and, and find a, a way to be successful in the league.
0: Okay, then given how we disperse those topics, the last one goes to me, and that's on Noah Allen. He started and played 90 minutes in the U.S.'s first game in this CONCACAF U-20 championship us won 10 to 0 10 to 0 against i'm trying to remember who it was i have to pull it up now because i don't want to say the wrong team especially after a 10 to 0 defeat i think it was st kitts and nevis st kitts and nevis 10-0 win for the under 20 us men's national team to start in that competition he did not play in the second game they did a whole rotation They tied there.
1: the second yeah. game.
0: Yeah, and they did a whole rotation. Honduras
1: is there. winning, by the way, and Honduras is going to win their three games. We're going to get through. But talking about the under-20, say that there's another 1st team player that is going to play, and it's already in the... octavos well, de final. I forgot how to say that in English.
3: Oh, right. of 16, Ascona, 16. Round, of round of 16.
1: Round of 16. Yeah, round of 16. Edison Ascona is playing with the Dominican Republic. He's going to be traveling. He's... I guess he's already there. He's gonna be traveling. But he was—he was, he was in
0: training it. today. He was in training today. He was with the team yeah, today. Yeah, I
1: think they're playing next week. So I think I, I guess he's gonna leave during the weekend or something like that before the games. He's going to leave because he is called up, and um, the team told us that they were gonna wait to send him because they—they they were playing until the the round of sixteen. They don't right. play the group state because they already went through qualifying. Okay. All so right. he's gonna be there. As are other four players from from the Inter Miami 2 team. So at least Inter Miami fans have that to look forward to because we have another Dominican player that is going to now be there.
0: We're going to have
1: a.
3: Thought.
0: <laughs> she stole your final thought. We're not even in the second segment. Okay, but look, let's leave it there because we've gone long on this first segment. We've gone very long, but it's fitting for an 100th episode. So let's take a quick break because we've been going at it for a bit. We will come back with our interview with DeAndre Yedlin, an Inter-Miami starter and a U.S. men's national team player that figures to be part of the World Cup plan. So take a quick break, and we'll get to that after this.
4: What I've said from at the end is is that now
0: we're back on the trip, now we're back on the grind. We've got 19 games left, 57 points to play for. Uh, we've achieved nothing yet. Uh, we, we got a little bit of plaudits uh, after the Portland game for where we was uh, but now it's the grind, now it's the marathon, now it's where we've got to really uh, knuckle down and pick up points on the road and get victories at home and uh, show the qualities that we've been showing. Okay, everyone, we promised a very special guest to help commemorate the 100th episode of Miami Total Football Radio, and he is here. Joining us today is one of the leaders of this inter-Miami team, a U.S. men's national team veteran with more than 70 caps and a World Cup under his belt. He's currently rocking green hair and is quite possibly the most fashionable member of the South Florida side. Who else could we be talking about? But, DeAndre Yedlin, of course. DeAndre, thank you so very much for joining us today on Miami Total Football Radio. How are you doing?
4: I'm doing pretty well. Thank you for having me.
0: Awesome. Thank you for joining us. We've been looking forward to having you on. And what better time than for our 100th episode. So, before we get started, and I have to say, obviously today there was the announcement with Inter Miami of Cafe Bustelo. I'm not normally a coffee drinker, but today, foolishly, I drank three of those things and I feel wired and a bit weird to say the least. I can't believe you drink you drink that on a regular basis. I've, I mean I know you don't drink three but <laughs> No, I do. I do. I do.
4: Um I've I've found a good uh balance of how much to have now. Um you know, I think you know, on a game day I'll have a little bit more but you know just day to day just just a cup in the morning gets me right for for training and then for the rest of the day so how
2: how can bring, you not drink coffee franco how can you not drink coffee i just thi- I don't thi- know.
4: this is a little bit different in coffee though i swear i don't know what they put in it but it's
2: uh <laughs> yeah, yeah. sort of yeah but it gives you that you know anyone that doesn't drink coffee that's that's odd sorry i,
0: I, I now understand why deandre runs up and down the flank when in games, <laughs> yeah, because exactly. if, he, if he's drinking a couple of those things, man, like what well, that thing must have you ready to go through, uh, through a wall. Okay, well, DeAndre, let's jump into it because there's a few topics we want to talk about here. First off, I want to ask you how you're doing off the field. How has the transition been, not only to, uh, with life back in the United States, but in South Florida with your growing family?
4: Yeah, I'm, I'm doing great. Uh, just uh, bought a house down here. Um, so we're, nice. we're moved in. And thank you. Yeah, we're moved in. And. Um, You know, getting getting stuff kind of uh, all situated. Well, I say we're. It's more more my fiance. I'm (laughs) just trying to just trying to help him whatever way I can. Um, You know, obviously, um, it's a little bit more difficult with the baby, but um, yeah, it's 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 really nice. Um, You know, we're both both very happy. Um, My family gets to see me a lot more. Her family gets to see her a lot. So yeah, we've uh, we've adjusted very well and uh, loving life down here.
0: Now, in terms of on the field, how have you felt during your adaptation back to MLS after spending the better part of a decade in Europe? It's a much different league than when you left, and now you've had a few yeah. months to really to really gauge it a bit okay, more. Yeah. How have you yeah. found the level of play, and how you know what what's different about MLS now than when you were with the Seattle Sounders before you headed for Europe? I mean, I think just the level. I mean,
4: mm-hmm. you can tell the the level, the understanding of the game, um, the the fan interaction, uh, the excitement around the league, um, is just so much more um, than than when I left. So it's it's great to see. Uh, it's great to, to be back in the league and great great to see the the young guys that are coming up and great to see uh, see what moves they make and um, you know how how they um, keep improving.
2: Is the is the pace of the game in sort of has it got faster as, as guys have got more athletic and, and stuff like that over the years?
4: um i i mean i think as a whole um you know from a very foundational base i think the the game has uh i would yeah it's i think it's gotten actually more technical i will say even when i played in the mls it was always a very transitional league very up and down and up and down and up and down um i think you know when i say guys understanding the game a little bit more now there's a little bit there's a little bit more patience i mean you still see a lot of that um, you know, there's, a, I guess, a little bit more flow to the game. Sure.
0: Now, DeAndre, in terms of your role in this team, obviously you're you're the starting right back for Inter-Miami, but you were captain this past weekend against Atlanta yep. United, and I have seen, yep. or at least my perception from the outside, is that you have taken more of a leadership role than perhaps at any previous time or point yep. in your career. Uh, you know, just yep. from... What we can pick up at training, the, the, the minutes that we're around, and just from videos on social media, I think even with the U.S. Men's National Team, I've seen you be a bit more, I think I've seen a more outspoken DeAndre Edlin in the locker room, a DeAndre Edlin who's more comfortable and willing to put his arm around some of the younger players, sharing experiences, helping guide yeah. them. Do you feel like more of a leader now? And is this just a natural progression given that you're at a, a more advanced stage in your career? Or is it something else that has made you take on this responsibility and made you flip that switch?
4: Uh yeah, I mean I do feel like more of a leader now. I think obviously age uh, you know, um is a part of that. But I also think um, you know, obviously me coming back from Europe and having um, you know, the type of career that I did that, you know, a lot of these younger players look at and they were obviously watching me when they were a little bit younger. You know, I I can tell that they look up to me for advice That they look up to me, um, you know, just for a little bit of guidance. Um and I think just, just for that fact it's it's quite easy to be to become a leader to them.
0: DeAndre, is that something that comes natural for you? I mean, you've always been a, a very uh, yeah. outgoing person, an outgoing player. You just look at your haircut yeah. from back in the day when you were, right. you know, coming right. fresh on, onto the scene. But has right. it come naturally for you? Or is it something that's maybe been a bit of a challenge and you've had to adjust to because that's what the situation, that's what the team, that's what the role has called for? Yeah, I, no,
4: I don't, I don't think it's – I mean – I would say in my own way, I've I've always been a a kind of leader, And that's not necessarily doesn't necessarily mean on the pitch, Mm -hmm. um, you know, off off as well. I'm a I'm a kind of guy like I grew up in a very open minded family. So I to be able to um, be empathetic, I think, and sympathetic to a lot of people's situations um, just no matter what it is. Um, So I think for, for that reason, you know, when If a guy comes to me with a problem and, you know, forget football, just in life. Yeah. um, You know, it's something that I can be open minded to and try to put myself in his shoes and think about how I would deal with this situation. So I think from that sort of standpoint, um, you know, I've always been a sort of leader. But I think now that I'm in a situation where, you know, guys are looking for me to lead. Um, you know it, it that part comes pretty naturally
2: and I, and I guess on on the field you know one of the problems with this franchise has been it's been so inconsistent so up and down some great moments some bad moments i mean yeah how do, how do you feel that you've sort of you you 've done done so far uh personally like my
4: performances or yeah, like, yeah just personally yeah um i think I think i've done all right I think i I can still give a lot more um you know i think the I think the big thing with this team is you know it's it's not really the sort of team where you can look to an individual and he's gonna all of a sudden you know win you a whole game you know sure. it's, it's the type of team where you're gonna need all 11 players and if one person is off then it's gonna be quite tough for the rest of the 10 guys mm-hmm. um even if they're completely on um that's just that's just how our team is and i wouldn't have any other way because i love i love working with this team um so i think personally i think um you know i still have i still have some more to give Um, you know, but there's also, there's also progression. This is like eight, I don't know how many new players, 17, 16, whatever it is, new players, um, you know, still trying to learn how each one plays, still trying to learn each one's tendencies, even emotionally, how they get on the pitch. Um, there's a lot of, there's a lot of different variables that go into, you know, mending together as a team. So we're all still, you know, as weird as it may sound, still trying to figure that out, even though it seems like we've been together for a while now takes time, I guess, doesn't it? It, it does. takes a lot of time. Even yeah. though you don't have lot much lot of time.
2: time today, you don't have much time in, in pro soccer, you just don't have that time, do you? But right.
4: you need it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly.
0: Now, DeAndre, you talked on something today that we, at, at practice, not here on this interview, but you touched on something yeah. today that I thought was, was very interesting, and obviously we're diving yeah. into the, the little more soccer-specific football talk, but... Obviously, you've been known since your early days as being a very marauding fullback that that gets forward, that gets involved into the right. attack. And we saw that from right. you at the start of this season. You had a couple of assists, if I'm not mistaken, against Seattle and then against Atlanta. Yep. Since then, you yep. haven't had any assists. And in the last few games, especially against Atlanta, I didn't see you get forward with as much vigor as I have in the past. And you said something today about not necessarily making that run forward because you don't want to leave that space in behind and there needs to be a healthy balance of course has this been something that you've taken on on your own in terms of trying to find that balance is something from the coaching staff in terms of the tactics how have you approached you know the balance between as a fullback getting forward and obviously staying back and, and helping keep shape and stay organized as a team yeah
4: i mean it it's uh it's not. I mean, I, I, It's not like the coaches came up to me and said, "Hey, you need to stay back." But there was, especially against Atlanta, we, we, they during their scouting. You know, they noticed that when we would break, uh, or when teams would break, their three attacking players would stay, or four attacking players would stay, and would be pretty lazy as far as getting back. But that means if you lose the ball, you know what I mean. Then they're coming back, and they have a very good attack. And they, they can they can hurt you bad if, you know, those players are left open. So I think for, especially for that Atlanta game, I was just trying to be very wary of that. We're away mm-hmm. on the road. It's our first game back after break. Let's, you know, try to get in, you know, try to get in at least to halftime uh, tied or, OK, if we're down by one, we can get a go back. Um, you know, obviously the red card uh, didn't help us as hard to play with 10 men, against, especially against that team. Right. Um but that was sort of my thought process as far as uh, kind of overall, like an overview. Um, I think, yeah, I think just trying to be a little bit more of a leader from the back, let the guys in the front do, do what they do and trying to pick my times. I mean, I've obviously been doing it for a bit now, but I'm still, uh, you know, especially with the different types of players that I can play with. If I'm playing with Ariella Emerson on my side, then I'm probably more likely going to let them go and stay back a little bit more. If I'm playing with Indy, I mean, Indy played this last game. But if I'm playing with Indy, then more than likely in most games I'm going to try to get forward because I come inside into the middle on his left foot. Um, so it's just again, it's learning different players, learning different situations. Depends if it's if we're playing against five, if we're playing against four. Um, but these are all all things and that I've picked up from my experience. Whereas before, I think it doesn't matter who we're playing against, I'd just be going, 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 right. and teams would see that and exploit it. You know, mm-hmm. whereas now. Um, I have to throw a little bit of um, not make it so predictable you know how I'm going to play or what I'm going to do
0: now has that understanding come from your time in Europe from just experience because like you said back in the days you were definitely going 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 Yeah. Um, and often yeah. often in the attacking third which is not a bad thing but obviously right. you also have to do the defensive part and, and- Right, if you if right. you're bombarding forward all the time, then that can leave holes right. behind. So is that something you've just right. gained through experience um, playing in Europe, playing with the U.S. Mass national team for, for 70 plus games, or um, you know, is it just you learning? How, how do you what would you describe as the key element yeah, there? Yeah,
4: I, I I I think that's just I think it's just experience from different games. Um, you know, getting um, exposed in certain situations. Um, you know, obviously working with different styles of coaching. Um, you know, just picking times when to go when not to go. Obviously I worked with, uh, you know, very attacking coaches and I've worked with very defensive coaches. So, um, just kind of trying to mend and mix all of those things that I've learned from those different coaches together, um, to kind of build a more, be a more balanced fullback. I think the other thing you have to look at is we're not a team that has, you know, 80% possession, you know, a game. So it's not always a great time to go for it. If you're a team that has that, then yes, maybe the fullbacks can go higher and stay higher because they're always on the ball. But you know, if we're splitting 50, 50, or if we have less than 50, then you really got to pick and choose your times because you can get exposed bad. If, uh, if, if one, if you don't get the ball and two, even if you do get the ball and you know, the cross isn't right or right. somehow there's a counter attack, you can be exposed.
0: Now, before we switch gears to some U S miss national team and world cup talk, I just wanted to quickly ask you, because I, I think some of the best soccer, some of the best football we've seen from this team, in my opinion, has been when you have gotten forward and you have given yeah. that that overlapping run to Ariel or, yeah. uh, I mean, I, I, I pick out Ariel because I remember early yeah, on in the season thinned, that those yeah. those were, that, that, right. that was the combination that we saw down the right and that, that really right. was a, a strength of intermiring in terms of the attack. Again, you had yeah, to right. assist early on. Um, yeah. And this team's obviously a team that relies on its service from the outside, be it fullbacks it wingers and campana there in the box finishing it off so again i i I I asked you this earlier today in practice but i I will ask it again for the listeners who may not hear what you said after practice obviously the attack is a is a team effort Um, the team has 15 goals in 15 games that's averaging to one per game obviously right it's not just on you but how much more do you think you can give in terms of the attack to, to help create more chances, to help create more goals, to give you guys a better chance of winning games and making the playoffs.
4: Yeah. I think, I think I, I think I can get more. Uh, You know, I think there are certain situations where I can, you know, get forward that I haven't got forward. um, Whether that's from tired legs or from, you know, just not reading the situation. Right. Um, Yeah. There's, there's obviously more, more opportunities to go forward. Um, I think, the, uh, the other thing also, though, is that, you know, at the end of the day, I'm a defender and mm-hmm. one of the leaders on this team. So I think that in my mind is my is my first priority. I want to make sure that that I'm defending and we're giving up as little goals as possible. Right. Um, and if I can help the team do that, I have faith in the attacking players. But yes, uh, of course, you know, I think when I get forward, it, it you know creates a bit of a problem for teams just because, you know, that usually the fullback is getting left with the 2v1. Um, so, um, yeah, it's definitely a thing that, you know, like I said, with newer players, uh, with different sorts of players, different systems, sometimes, um, it's just about reading the situations. Um, and I'm still, you know, in my middle, middle age of the career, uh, (laughs) still learning how to do that with this team
0: absolutely and, and not just with crosses because I, I remember early on in the year when you were bombarding forward you were you were creating havoc getting in the box and, and creating penalty kick situations or fouls where the referee had to make a decision and i thought that was definitely in, in, a plus in the
4: beginning of the year as well though we were playing in five mm-hmm. that's true that's true. Um, that's true so it became a little a little bit easier i right. mean that and again that's that's just one of the that's that's one of the things i like you had more coverage
0: co- you had more you had more exactly. coverage back there yeah
4: and, and and there's times where i've gone in a and we haven't been punished, Mm -hmm. but if the opposing team was a little bit cleaner or a little bit, uh, you know, just a little bit more clinical, then we would have got punished. So I think sometimes that's things that that a fan doesn't see, that a player, you know, with a bit of experience sees, oh, I've gone here, Uh, you know, maybe they didn't score, but, you know, there was a very clear opportunity that I saw that they could have got a very dangerous opportunity or whatever. Okay, maybe I need to figure out how i can be a bit more balanced
2: absolutely i guess uh, move, moving forward in an alternate universe now we'd be at the world cup of course people <laughs> didn't realize it's going to be seven million degrees <laughs> in the in uh, in the sun in qatar right now but moving forward for, for mls players how do you think it's gonna it's gonna be going into the world cup coming off the back of the season whereas i guess everyone else would be like
4: mid-season is that is that going to be a factor do you think um i don't think so i mean i think you know you look at Every other World Cup that's been played, and the European players are coming off at the back sure. of the season, so um, you know people still perform. So I don't think it'll be I don't think it'll be too big of an issue. It's obviously you know not ideal, but you know it's uh, as a professional, you just have to adapt to certain things, and um, so we're gonna have to do. And I was in I was in I was in
2: Cincinnati covering the team, and you've got a good again. You're like one of the elder. Statesman in that team, aren't you? Because you've got some good yeah. young Tim, Brent, yeah. Brent oh, and yeah, yeah. you know, I mean, oh, yeah. how, how's, the, how's the feeling in the cabin? How does it sort of compare to maybe 2014 or, I mean, sorry, the last, the last time with the World Cup?
4: Yeah, it's great. I mean, every, I, I think everybody within this group is, I mean, bar me and a couple other guys are pretty much around the same age. And not only that, they've all played together for quite a long time. They're all in the sure. national team system together. So they have a really good understanding of each other. And me and and the quote unquote older guys, we all have great relationships with all of the younger guys on the team. Like Tim is in my house right now. Tim's here right now. Nice. Uh, so yeah. So uh, I like Tim. Yeah. So we so we all have a great relationship. Uh, we're all very close. Um, I think it, I think it's a really great group. I know. I, I think as far like chemistry wise, I haven't. I don't know that I've been with a better group that just understands each other so like so well. Um, from the staff all the way, you know, all the way through to the players, it's a it's a really great group.
0: I was gonna I was gonna just say, what are your overall thoughts on the on the group that you guys have drawn? Um, obviously, you've got Wales, you've got England, you've got Iran. I know you're focused on yeah. Miami and the World Cup's still a few months away, but just if you yeah. could shed a little bit of light of what your thoughts are on the group, given that it's a World Cup year and people are interested, obviously, in the U.S. Yeah. national team return to a World Cup after eight long years.
4: Yeah, no, it's a, it's a it's a great group, uh, and great by great I mean very good teams within it. Um, you know, I think uh you I mean you look at every team and they all have they all have their, you know, their strengths, they all have their weaknesses obviously. Um, you know, I think a lot of people obviously look at England and say, well this is the, the you know, this is the big one." But, you know, there's Wales and Iran are both very good teams as well. Um, so I hope people aren't overlooking them cuz that's going to be an incredible challenge uh as well as England. Um, but we're 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 excited for the challenges like the the challenge is what you want in a World Cup, you know what I mean? That's uh, that's everything. So, um, you know, everybody in the group is excited.
2: And if you do well against England, you're gonna upset not only the coach but also the
0: owner of the of the football club.
2: I mean,
4: you can't win, <laughs> right? Yeah,
0: we hope so. We hope so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> how important, DeAndre, is it? Obviously, you start, you start with Wales. How important is it to get off to a winning start? You know very well how crucial yeah. that proved yeah. in 2014. In yeah. 2014, excuse me, when the team beat Ghana in that in that opener. That takes away some yeah. pressure. You don't yeah. go into that yeah. second game saying, okay, we have to win here because otherwise yeah. we're going to probably either be eliminated or have our backs against the wall in that third game. So how important is it to get off to a winning start? Obviously, the opposition will be challenging. But for you guys, how, how important will it be to, to win that first game?
4: Yeah, it's huge. Uh, I mean, the, the first one is massive. Um, like you said, it takes a bit of uh, a bit of pressure off. And I think, you know, there are certain groups that don't respond well under pressure. There are certain groups that do. I think, you know, our group is a group that does respond pretty well under pressure. So I know, you know, if we if the group does get into a situation where our backs are against the wall, I, I think, you know, we'll, we'll come out of it fine. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, you know, coming out with the first one is, is massive. Uh, it's I think, you know, you can go into that second game with a lot of confidence and um, just do your thing. Uh,
0: to begin closing out, DeAndre, and I, I really enjoy sharing this anecdote. And for listeners that might not know this, this might be the first time they hear this. I covered the U.S. Men's National Team's World Cup availability or pre-World Cup availability in New York City in 2014. Oh uh, yeah, And I think yeah. it was, if I'm not mistaken, I think it was in the Marriott, definitely in Times Square. Maybe I got the hotel room, yeah. but I think yeah. it was in the Marriott in yeah. Times Square. And there were roundtables for all the players there, and you were fairly new, the beginning yeah. of your career. And I remember seeing your table, and you were sitting all by yourself because everybody else was talking to Michael Bradley, Josie Altador, Tim yeah. Howard. And I sat down with you, and uh, we talked for a little bit. And obviously, yeah. you then went on and had a, had a very good World Cup. Yeah. How have you changed since then? It's been eight years. You've played in Europe. You've gotten a lot more experience with the national team on the international level. What is the DeAndre Edlin of today like compared to the DeAndre Edlin of 2014? Um,
4: I think just a lot more confident, a lot more uh, comfortable with, with my abilities and myself. Um, and then I think the most important thing is, you know, I've become a father. <laughs> which, yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, it, it definitely translates onto the pitch. I think. Um, as far as going out, like I remember when I was young, you know, I'd go out there and be nervous before games. Uh, you know, I think it's I think it's quite normal, but now, you know, being a father, it's completely taken those butterflies away. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, just because there's so much more important things, you know, than than football. I mean, it sounds sounds kind of horrible to say, but when you look at your daughter, you know, every morning and she's smiling at you, or right. after a bad and you come home, your daughter is smiling at you and asking you to hold her you just realize you know what is what is truly important it allows me to go out just with a really free mind and just have fun with it you know just really have fun with what I'm doing um and and I'm I feel blessed to be able to you know play this sport and you know do something I can have so much fun with and make a living doing it um so yeah it, it just really changed my perspective yeah changed my perspective on a ton and, and, you, have
2: more tat- you have more tattoos now, right?
4: <laughs> yeah, and more tattoos. And do, you, more
0: tattoos yeah. do you
4: know how many tattoos you have, or have you lost count? I don't. They just all – I just tell everybody <laughs> one because they've all kind of formed into one tattoo. They all put <laughs> together. Nice. Okay, yeah, exactly. well,
0: one last one on the U.S. men's national team because there yeah. are quite a few options at fullback. This team yeah. is – back in the day, maybe there weren't that many, but now there seems right. to be a plethora yeah, of that, options for, for Greg Berhalter. You know, you've got yeah. Sergio Dest, Reggie Cannon, Joe yeah. Scali yourself. Um, yeah. You know – how do you view obviously the, the obviously the competition's healthy, but right Obviously you want to be part of that World Cup. What do you think you have to do yeah. to to stake a claim for the, for one of those roster spots? The good thing is FIFA just announced that instead of 23 players yeah, on the roster say, yeah. it'll be 26. that leaves yeah. more, more space for more for more players. so but what right. do you think you have to do in order to get on that plane to Qatar?
4: Uh, I think just, just continue what I've been doing. Um, you know, keep my form up with with Miami um you know continue to lead continue to practice my my leadership skills uh obviously can continue to uh on the field um and that's really it i don't i don't like to think too much into it about uh i need to do this i need to do that that's when you start overthinking things it's just you know just keep doing what i've been doing it's gotten me to this spot and hopefully it will take me on the plane to qatar
0: awesome then just to close out, we will do a, a thing that we call tiki-taka here on Miami Total Football Radio. We will ask you a okay. simple question. All you have to do is give us a, a one or two-word response, starting with who is the funniest teammate on Inter-Miami currently?
4: Um, funniest teammate? I'd have to say uh, Chris McBay. Yeah? Okay. That's, yeah, yeah, that's yeah, a yeah. dark horse. Hilarious. That's a dark
0: horse. Yeah? yeah. He's hilarious. He's hilarious. Is it jokes? Is it actions? Is it just how he carries it's,
4: himself? He he's he's one of those people that is funny without knowing that he's being funny. So nice. he's not trying <laughs> to be funny, but just uh just a just some of the stuff he does is is hilarious. Okay. If nice. There was, if like, there
2: was a dinner 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 eve dinner date dinner date dinner party yeah. round Shay uh, Yedlin, three dream guests, man, dead dead or alive, it doesn't matter. Any anyone at all.
4: Dream guests. Um, let me think. Buddha okay. Buddha uh, Martin Luther King and um, LeBron James.
0: Nice, nice. We've yeah. heard we've heard, we've had a few Lebrons from yeah. other from other players on the team. That's a, that's an interesting table. An, a yeah. lot a lot, of, yeah, a lot yeah. of wisdom at that table. Yeah, yeah, a lot of wisdom. I'm all about wisdom. <laughs> uh, all okay, about wisdom. best dressed on the team. You can say yourself if you want. You've definitely been oh, mentioned a few times. You already, here to <laughs> you already know the answer to that. You already know the answer. I don't <laughs> have to answer. That. <laughs> nice. Okay. Well, let's see Andre Edlin then. Sleepiest teammate that you have. Obviously, you guys go on trips. You know who falls asleep Ooh. on the plane quite a bit. Who doesn't? Who you guys are Sleepy. taking videos of? Yeah.
4: Oh man! Um, wow, I don't know. Sleepiest teammate? Uh,
0: Is it you? Do you take a lot of naps on the no, plane?
4: No, no, I'm, no. I'm not
0: a sleepy person. It's uh, all that Cafe Bustello keeps you awake.
4: Yeah, exactly. That's, that's <laughs> it. Sleepiest team? Wow, I don't know. Actually, I don't really, I don't really walk around on the plane, so it's hard to, it's hard for me to see who's actually like sleeping, sleeping. Okay. I mean, I've been, I've been next to Ariel where he's sleeping. I've been next to uh, Chris McBay where he's sleeping. Um okay. Yeah, okay. But I don't know who the sleepiest sleepiest is. Okay. Yeah. Okay.
0: Earliest football memory, your earliest soccer memory that you have. Um probably my grandfather and
4: uh uncle uh coaching me with my I think it was under 4 team.
0: Okay. Wow. That's that's, that's a memory. Yeah. That's a memory right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Nice. Okay. Then the last one. If you're not if you were not playing professional soccer, if you're not playing professional football, DeAndre Yedlin would be doing, uh, designing clothes. Nice, nice, yeah. nice. Okay, We're and you and you are any- doing that. You're doing that anyway, and I am, and I am <laughs> doing that. And I am doing that.
4: Just trying to, just trying to kind of get a nice uh, segue into my career after after football.
0: Nice, and and I was going to ask you that to close out this interview to plug your brand or or share what you want about the brand. Obviously, you've been. You know, teasing little things here and there. You've had the design in the back of your hair as part of your haircut. You have yeah. you were wearing some socks today with the brand yeah. name. What, what I don't want you to give away all the secrets unless you're ready to do so. But what yeah. can you tell the listeners that may not be familiar with what you're doing about your brand? That it seems like you're getting ready to launch somewhat soon.
4: Yeah. So the the brand is called uh, Mount Avery. Uh, the name Avery is a is a name that both me and my fiance really loved and. Um, So basically, uh, we're, we want to have three kids and we've always had the third, we've always had the third kid, uh, boy or girl would be named Avery. Um, uh, so yeah, so we both really love that name. So that's where the Avery part comes from. The mountain part comes, it's like a little bit of ties to the Northwest. It's Mm -hmm. also kind of, um, because I've really been on my kind of wisdom, spiritual type stuff for the last two years, uh, just a tie to life. I think mountain is a great, um, uh, what's a word? Explainer. It explains life very well. Just the ups and the downs um, of of life. Um, you know, mountain is not ju- a mountain is not just you know one incline and then one decline. There's a lot of different inclines and declines within the mountain right. that that we all go through, and I think that explains life very well. Um, so we kind of put the two together, designed uh, or made the name Mount Avery. The the logo is kind of what's been in the back of my head. The mm-hmm. and the um, that's, that's the logo. Uh, as far as the type of clothing, um, I, I, you know, <laughs> I don't really like to stay in a, in a certain lane, so I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna pinpoint it to any certain type of, I'll call it genre of clothing. It's, it, it will be everything. Um, you know, I'm a, I'm a kind of guy that likes to kind of, you know, cross the lines and, uh, you know, just basically try everything. So, um we'll we'll be doing everything um yeah so uh is
0: there a timeline is it is it within the next few months after the world cup before the world cup
4: yeah definitely before the world cup definitely before the world cup you'll you'll see some stuff and uh getting some stuff out to guys now so you know they should be wearing it around soon i hope
0: (laughs) okay cool well miami total football radio listeners Be on the lookout for that gear, be it on Inter-Miami players or U.S. Men's National Team players or DeAndre himself. DeAndre, thank you so very much for joining us. We really, really enjoyed the interview. Good luck this weekend against Minnesota United and the rest of the season. We will talk to you again very, very soon, okay? All right, sounds good. Thank you, guys. All right, DeAndre. Take take care. Bye-bye. Bye. guys we hope you enjoyed that interview with deandre yedlin but it's q a time and for the sake of time we're going to just jump right into it only going to tackle a few questions by the way we were going to do a jersey giveaway for the 100th episode to one of you devout listeners, but no one sent in a video saying Miami Total Football R- Radio. And listen, if you're intimidated about rolling your R's, it's, we're not judging you based off of your rolling of R's. All you have to do to, to be in it is just submit a video saying you listen to Miami Total Football R- Radio. And then that just goes into I was going to do a drawing and whoever was picked out of there randomly would win the jersey of their size. Maybe we can do that for next week. So if you're listening to the pod now, and you want to be in the drawing for a jersey as a thank you to the listeners for sticking with us through 100 episodes, 2 years of Miami Total Football Radio Podcast. Then just send in a video to us on Twitter, either at Franco Panizo or at MIA Total Football. Just saying that you are a listener of Miami Total Football Radio. You don't have to roll your R's if you don't want to. You can just say radio. But let's jump into the Q&A session and we'll start with Tom Cafecito congrats on the 100th episode. Do you plan on making another 100? With Robinson being injured again, can we officially call him a bust? Help me pick my next Peruvian meal, jalea mixta or lomo saltado. Wow. Okay. So, Jose, you tackled the Robbie Robinson topic earlier. I think you can call him a bust. You know, as unfortunate it is that he's injured, I don't think he's shown enough over even before the injury to say that he's been anything but a bust. And obviously with the injury issues on top of it, yeah, I, I, it's not. It hasn't been a great three seasons for Robbie Robinson at the start of his pro career. If I have to pick a proven meal, me personally, I would say Lomo Saltado, but both are very good. So just get both. Just get both. Guys, do you want to make another hundred episodes? I'm. I have the energy to do another hundred. I don't know if you guys. If any do. sponsors
2: want to join us on this wonderful <laughs> journey to to two hundred? Then let us know. That's a goal. Let's know. That's Give a goal. A let, let's
0: set that That's, goal, Steve. Primo. All right, we're setting a goal. We're going to have a sponsor. By the two hundredth, two hundredth episode. Okay. Yes. Next next uh next question. The classic old subject. Has Phil's seat C- cooled down now that the team has an identity and are at least competing? Also, if you could say who you guys think has been the most underwhelming player this season? Congrats on the a hundredth episode, also. All right, so we're going to go around the table. Starting with Primo, who has been the most underwhelming player this season for Inter Miami, in your opinion?
2: Well, I guess Robbie, Robbie Robinson, I guess you'd say Yeah right? Yeah. <laughs> Why are you laughing? What's no, I'm, I'm
0: laughing because Jose's laughing. I just <laughs> the way he cackled there just randomly out of nowhere. It's I mean either that or the Pilsen is getting to me. One one of the two. One of the two. Um, okay, Robbie Robinson. Your vote for Robbie Robinson. Andrea.
1: I agree. It has to be Robbie Robinson.
0: Okay, Jose. And
3: that's why I was laughing because I knew everybody was thinking the same thing. Robbie Robinson.
2: Wow.
0: So three and the guy's Rob- injured,
2: but yes. Yeah, let's hope he gets
0: better. We
1: send him the best wishes.
0: I'm yeah. I'm once again on my own. Maybe they should start calling me Island Jose because I'm I'm on my own on this one. I don't think it's Robbie Robinson. I think he's been disappointing, but and underwhelming. But I don't think he's been the most underwhelming. I would say Gonzalo Higuain. You could say you know he he was already slowing down this and that, but the numbers he's put up this year, they're nowhere near what I thought he would have. Um, I thought he would have done a bit more. So especially as a DP, especially given that last year he did perform in spurts. You know he's he's essentially now a substitute, a role player. And you know you can take this this past weekend for example. He didn't even get on the field. Now obviously there was a red card that that impacted the whole the whole game and conditioned the game, but. Clearly, he's fallen far from where he was and far from where I expected him to be. So the most underwhelming player for me to this point in 2022, Contalo Iguain. Last question. Sal Paradise. Any credible rumors as to who the three TAM-level players mentioned by John Champion in the Atlanta game are? I don't have any names no, to share. I don't believe anybody else on the pod does as of right now.
2: Okay. No names. We'll, we'll, yeah. we'll do some digging. We'll do some digging. We'll find out for sure.
0: All right, it's time Uh to share some news and drop a little bomb here—a little nugget. It's not a bomb; it's a nugget. Jose, Andrea, and I have been planning for some time to do a Miami Total Football Radio Spanish Edition podcast. We're trying to figure out how regularly we can do it, but we're going to start with once a month, beginning in June. So, if you prefer to listen in Spanish, or you have friends that maybe don't speak, English as well as they do Spanish and they're looking for someone to or somewhere to listen to Miami Total Football Radio or listen to a podcast on Miami. well, Miami Total Football Radio will have you covered. I... Um, sorry that el primo, el personaje, the person, the character that he is, he will not be part of the Spanish venture unless he starts taking Rosetta Stone and working on his Spanish. But we do plan to have that. Yeah. That is some news yeah. we can share with you guys. We're planning to do
1: Come
0: on, a... Come Steve, or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> there is a sponsor. Me hablo poquitito de español. So let me tell a Nice. Oh, he, that's great. I think I think if he drinks a little bit, he gets a little loose, and then you know he lets himself go yeah. a little bit. Nice. Oh yeah,
2: yeah. Pure <laughs> nice. Spanish four a.m. Yeah. <laughs>
3: make sure Franco, make sure you make a sound bite out of those three yes. words that you can just put what, it all over. I don't even know what three words he
0: said. I have no idea what three words he said. But hey, look, I like I like the effort. I like the effort. But yes, we listen. We are, and I'm being so very serious now. We are looking to do, and we will do a Spanish. Version of Miami to the Football Radio at least once a month. All right, that does it for. Well, actually, I didn't share my overall thoughts and my, you know, look, when I started this podcast a couple of years ago and it was just an idea, I hoped it would be a long term thing, but it was my first venture, my first time stepping into the podcasting world. So I didn't really know. I've learned on the fly uh, and I've been very, very appreciative of you listeners for obviously tuning in. From 50 plus countries. Never expected that ever in my wildest dreams. Also, for engaging with us on Twitter, submitting your questions on a weekly basis. And of course, for just being along for the ride that has been Inter Miami and just life in general. I've shared. You know, very good moments like landing the job with the Sun Sentinel here on this podcast. I've also shared some very sad moments like losing my father. So you guys have been a big part of my life for the past two years. And I know a lot of you I haven't met face to face. Some of you I have, but a lot of you I have not. But doing this and creating this little community, this very tiny Miami Total Football Radio community, that has been a big part of my life for the last two Two years, so I thank you, listeners, as well as my three co hosts and Eric Krakauer, who no longer is a co host but is off doing big things uh, with Charlotte FC's broadcast team. I thank you all for accompanying me on this journey and let's keep it going, let's keep it rolling because I really enjoyed conversing, debating, talking Inter Miami with these three, as well as with you guys, and obviously sharing the opinions that we have on Inter Miami. Because by and large, if we're being honest. Not many places you can go to get this type of dialogue. You don't you don't see it on TV, you don't get it on radio. Where can you get this level of discussion? Well, Miami Total Football Radio is one of those places. That was my idea behind it all, just to give fans that are hardcore into inter Miami a place where they can go and dive into the meat and potatoes of the team, just what's going on, the latest news. And just have a discussion, just like you do with any other sports. You know, you turn on ESPN, you see all the other sports out there being talked about, every little thing, every transaction, this player. this. Just just having that day-to-day discussion and dialogue that's largely missing from not only into Miami, not just MLS, just soccer in general, football in general in this country. So hopefully we're doing a good job, and we will continue to try to implement more and more ideas as time goes on. And again, a big thank you to all you listeners for tuning in on this 100th episode. We've gone long. I think we've broken the record for longest Miami Total Football Radio podcast, but obviously with very good reason. So for Jose Armando, for Andrea Yanes, for Steve Brenner, I am Franco Benizo. You have been listening to Miami Total Football Radio.